Welcome to the Success IQ Podcast, the show for entrepreneurs who want to create and live an exceptional life. I'm your host, Jeff Nicholson, and this is episode 130. For those of you who are new to the show, I'm a specialist in performance and mindset, working with entrepreneurs all over the world, supporting them to be their best and perform at their highest levels in life and business. And I achieve this through my coaching and online programs. If you're listening to this episode in the car, cafe, home, or perhaps you're lucky and somewhere exotic, my aim is for you to learn and implement the valuable lessons shared in these episodes. Remember that to be exceptional will require you to pause, reflect, and implement. The show is also sponsored by Bartercard, which we're gonna hear a lot more about later on in the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I truly hope you are having an amazing week. So we have got some great guests today, a duo, so to speak, Rob and Kennedy. Now, they are the most unlikely entrepreneurs you'll ever meet. Sporting hairstyles that look like a comic book character and backgrounds in psychology, hypnosis and show business. It's hard to believe that they're serial entrepreneurs with an uncanny knack for building businesses with riotous email marketing. And they've joined me to educate probably myself and you guys as well. So Rob Kennedy, welcome to the show. Hello. So it's lovely, lovely having you here. As I was saying, just before we hit the record button that I've known Kennedy for over probably over a decade now. Um, But it is the first time I have had the honor of speaking to Rob. Um, so guys, before we really get started into it, can you give us a little bit of a background of how and what has brought you here today? And we'll start with Rob because he's on the left. It's a bit of a contrived story, really. It sounds like it's been made up. So we are both from the world of entertainment. I'm actually a comedy stage hypnotist. I started out doing magic as a kid, grew up through that, eventually found hypnosis, learned that when I was like 14, started performing when I was 16 and traveling around the world uh, doing comedy hypnosis shows, hypnotizing people, making them do crazy things. Don't lie. You're a plumber. <laughs> <laughs> and along the way, I... Uh, Matt Kennedy, we were at a magician's convention. That's a the, thing. Because the story doesn't needs to get weirder. We met at a magician's convention with loads of people showing each other card tricks and all of that stuff. And we just hit it off, became pals. Because we're the only ones wearing non-ties that didn't have playing cards on. We uh, thought, yeah. we can be friends. Ace of spades. <laughs> and yeah, and then 18 years later, here we are, like an old married couple. Yeah, well, like and an old married couple. We've been friends for a long time, but we don't have sex. Yeah, exactly. And so that's that. Now, of course, Kennedy, you're a mind reader. Yes, which means I combine skills of psychology, body language, reading people memory all with comedy at events up and down the country a little bit abroad i used to do a lot more abroad but i'm trying to stay home a little bit more these days you get too tanned weren't you <laughs> yes. a lovely tan type skin um, so yeah just uh, mainly at corporate events after dinner awards dinners annual dinners and that kind of thing but what happened when you're an entertainer like that or like either of us are is you spend a lot of time not being an entertainer. You spend a mo- more of your time is spent traveling to a gig. You want a train, you're in a departure lounge, you want a plane, you're waiting in the hotel. But if you're a speaker, you'll know the same sort of deal as well, which means you have a lot of like spare time to like think about how can I be using this time better? And so what we didn't realize about each other, even though we spoke fairly often, mm-hmm. was we ended up developing our own online information product businesses where we were selling coaching and training, well, mainly training, 
So I was helping other entertainers who were asking me, Kennedy, how are you so busy? Why are you doing all, how are you doing all these gigs? I've been trying for years to do it. You see- And then Rob, he did something sort of similar. Yeah, teaching hypnosis. People wanted to learn how to be a stage hypnotist or a hypnotherapist. And, and me and somebody else started te- teaching that stuff and selling courses and things about hypnosis. And we'd never told each other that we were doing this thing. We were basically like closet entrepreneurs. Closetpreneurs, if you will. <laughs> which, which is really weird because one day Rob, Rob said to me, I'm using this thing called Aweber. And I was like, oh, I've heard of that and I'm using it too. So it was one of those things we realized that we had this common entrepreneurial thing. We weren't just funny lads. So, uh, so then that that sort of turned into eventually us having a problem with our with our information product businesses and realizing there was not a software solution that allowed us to do something we wanted to do, which was basically to use what ended up becoming this thing called Response Suite, which we founded right here in good old Walls End in the northeast of England here, uh, with our with our team who are sat around us wondering why we're talking so loudly. Uh, yeah, so that's how we ended up being here. It's kind of a weird journey, isn't it? It is, and it's. I mean, I remember speaking to you about this. Wow, was that a couple of years ago? It was probably response. about four or five years ago. Yeah. Wow, that's mad. So for you, because I know we've got a couple of um, listeners who I've spoken to in the past who are. Um, how do you describe yourself? Is it a software company? Is it a SaaS or? Yeah, I mean, we are a SaaS. We're a software company. We, I mean, we develop it all in house, and then depending on what people need, they can either do it themselves. They can, you can log in and create your own account of Response Suite and build your own systems, or we also have a service element of that where we actually do it all for you, which is a fair. It's a much newer off- offering of only about a year old that now. So, yeah, so we're a software business basically, which is a weird thing to say as a person who just used to make people laugh for a living. Oh yes, I was at the theatre last night and somebody was talking to me. What do you do? I thought. Ooh. Where do I start? Where do I start? (laughs) I'm a mind reader and I've got a software business. And look at you like, right, you sound like you just got out of prison. (laughs) So so for you, when you did this, what was the biggest challenge starting starting this out? I mean, all of a sudden you you had that conversation with each other and went, Do you know what? I think we should do this. This is something I talked to you about. I messaged you. I sent you a text message a few years ago going, mate, I need help. And yep. we sat down in the Holiday Inn. Holiday Inn. We chat yep. And I said, mate, I've got a problem. We're about to employ our first member of staff, but I've never been to an interview before. I don't mean I've never ha- held an interview. I mean, I've never had an interview. I've, neither Rob or I have ever had a job. And I said, I don't know what I don't know. I don't know how to like run a proper business. I've, all I've ever done is these really simple tax returns. I've, all, I've done okay in my life, but I don't know what I'm doing. And you looked at me and said, but that's the advantage you have. This naivety of not knowing what the where you're supposed to do it and the way it's always been done is the absolute advantage we have. So has it been a challenge? And have we come across things going, well, I'm an eck, I didn't realize I had to do that, or that's a stupid rule. And that's a thing that the government wanted you to do and all this stuff. Yeah, we've learned loads of stuff like that. But the challenge it sounds a bit like motivational, which is not for me at all. But the naivety of not knowing is our absolute advantage. And our staff are kind enough to tell us that one of the things they love about working here is there are not none of those bits of paper or those meetings or any of those systems that are there because that's the way it's always be done or that's the way it should be done. Because actually the way we operate everything in our lives is what needs to happen and what is the thing that is the most sensible way. Imagine we're in a business on common sense. That's kind of what we're doing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so you two, you've been friends for ages. You, you've set up this SaaS company. 
Do you have, you know, have you got two separate roles? How do you deal with that friendship and doing business together? What are those sort of challenges? I remember that. Yes. (laughs) It was a happier time. No, uh, to be honest, we have, so we're very similar in a lot of ways, but at our core, we're quite different people. So we, which is good because as Kennedy always said, if we agreed on everything, then one of us is superfluous, isn't it? So we, we always, we always work on the basis of absolute honesty. Let's just say it as it is. And our staff are the same. You know, we tell the folks here to just tell us if you think something's a crap idea and we'll, you know, we'll take that on board and we'll, um, we'll go with that direct, you know, we'll work it out. And so I think the first thing is just always talk about it completely honestly, honestly and openly. And until quite recently, we didn't really have separate rules in the business. No, we kind of, it was just a case of dishing out the tasks. There were some things that, Kennedy's better at that, that he cracks on with loads of things other things that I'm better at that I get on with and so once I've finished with that um then uh, <laughs> I'll review what he did um, so along the way we worked out for example if we need to sit down and write some sales copy for something it took us probably 10 times longer if we try to do that together at the same time and that sounds counterintuitive doesn't it it sounds like oh, well, the two of you you're gonna sit down you're gonna have more ideas you're gonna crack through but actually it was just second guessing everything the other person wrote and saying no i don't like that and i don't like that and so now actually what's quicker is if kennedy writes the first draft i'll take it and i'll go through and redraft it as i think it should be with suggestions and we very quickly meet in the middle especially when we share it with grace who's our content person here and so we do meet much for in the middle, much quicker doing it that way yeah. rather than going like tweaking it word by word, don't we? Yeah. yeah. And we've now sort of just found ourselves that, so we, you just find your different strengths. So one of my strengths we've worked out is that I'm good at taking really complicated processes and just boiling them down to simple little steps that we can easily put a customer through. That works really, really well. You're more creative than I am in terms of coming up with different angles and all of that stuff. So we have since sort of separated ourselves a little bit in that I now deal more with uh, sort of solopreneur businesses, one man bands and small companies. Whereas Kennedy's really fronting our professional services uh, bit where you're dealing with lawyers and accountants on much bigger packages where we come in and we do a half day workshop and a, a ton of other stuff. And again, separating out that way is really helping as well. And do you think, so for example, with you, Rob, as a, as a hypnotherapist, do you think the fact that you, you've got those skills has helped you be that sort of systematic process side and then with kennedy obviously you're communicating with you know the corporates and everything else and do you feel that that language and those skills with nlp and the hypnotherapy and all of that stuff has has been able to be a benefit to you no i think it's just because i'm really thick <laughs> no i think i think well, honestly is the best I policy rob <laughs> I, I don't deal with big terrifying projects very well i'm I'm, I'm much prefer. So my, my mind is literally, okay, great. I, I need to get over there eventually. But first of all, I just need to get from here to this little nudge forward. So what does that look like? So for me, I have to break everything down. Otherwise, I, I, I've just got this big picture. And I can't really see what, what fits where. So certainly my, my, in terms of my actual strength, it's literally, it's my weakness that gives me that strength. It's just the fact that I need to break everything down. And therefore, I think I'm quite good at thinking about how customers want everything to be broken down. And therefore, we've got this. So, for example, one of our biggest challenges so far has been interfacing what fundamentally is quite a simple thing inside our software. And it took us quite a long time to say, okay, great. How do we make that so point and click simple that anybody can do it without an ounce of technology at all? No training. So, it's like using Microsoft Word or Canva. Like, if you can drag and drop, you can do it. And for us, that was a big challenge. So, one of my big things was, right, I can see from the beginning how this needs to look. And I just sort of drew it out, and everyone went, I think that's how it should be done and off we went yeah so but only because i'm i'm i need to break everything down 
Um, and also our approach to selling is kind of different because I'm much more into that, the communication and sitting down and having conversations with people. So that helps me in doing sort of more corporate packages or professional services packages. Whereas Rob, that's kind of your idea of hell, isn't it? Like, I, yeah, different. I like to be able to do the sort of lighter touch marketing stuff. So I like sending emails out and they get owned by lots of people and some of those people click by the thing, whereas you're much more, let's get in a room. Talk let's have a people. chat. Let's, let's move this conversation forward. So, yeah. Okay. And Rob just clicks his finger and says, sleep. So if you were giving advice to someone who's either thinking about starting a SaaS or is currently going through that process, don't panic there, guys. Um, what do you think are some of the key steps that they could or should be thinking about as they're starting to move through that process? Yeah, I mean, we've made a ton of mistakes yeah. during that journey. I'm just, my, my, the reason I'm sat here sort of contemplating is because which mistake do we talk about? One of the things that we hold really important to us is a term we call radical transparency. And that is, I think we live in a world where we are seeing companies disappear and new companies rear their heads and then disappear right from under the noses of their staff. That, that creates a level of uncertainty in employees. And I think that's terrifying. So since the beginning, we never wanted that to be the case. Our staff know exactly everything about this business. They know where we're at. They know how ahead or behind we are at any one moment. They are completely aware of how it all operates. And, and that's easy with a team of only four of us. You know, we have one full-time developer, one full-time content marketing slash brilliant everything, <laughs> everything else. else work mum in the office um uh, and, and they know exactly where we are so i think building trust and allowing people allowing people to trust us is the most important thing because they're fully aware of we're all on a journey that we have never embarked on before it's not like we're basically climbing mount everest for the first time but we've never even jogged up a hill you know and that's how it feels though. We, they're all completely aware that we, we know how to market things. We know how to sell things, but our, our greatest skill is the tenacity of saying, well, the big mistake I think I've made is allowing something that's not working to, to go on for far too long and saying, oh, but it might just be a time thing. It's like, no guys, let's walk away from that and make the next thing happen. So I think it's waiting too long for sure. And everybody I know who I've ever spoken to before we even started a SaaS says, that's the biggest mistake I made. And I said, great, we're not going to do that. And here we are three years later going, that's what we did. Yeah. yeah. And it's so for you guys, what is the, and I suppose it's doing it that way is you're creating the culture while your company's small. And then as it builds out, that culture will naturally flow through every future employee. And that's exactly what we're hoping. It's something we're not experiencing at all. So our plan is to fit the people to the culture and then skills are the second thing on the list. I mean, of course, they're very close to each other at the top of that tree in terms of importance. But a lot of people say it, culture first, skills second. Because if you don't fit in our culture and you can't deal with the banter, then you are not going to have a good time. You are, And we want to make sure that being in work is actually as enjoyable as possible. That's why we have a really cool environment and we spend a lot of time engaging and, and having a good time. Yeah, absolutely. So it's being able to concentrate the same as having fun is that is that critical part of making sure that the energy stays right. Yeah, definitely. Like we want every day, to, we laugh so much in the office. It's so, so, you know, people talk about education now that teachers get the best results if they're fun and the kids like them. And 
you know, have good banter with teachers because kids learn when they're having fun. I think people, us, us and our team, I think we get more done in a more productive way when we're having fun with it. The other thing that's really important to us is a, a genuinely flat structure where we actually manage each other. So we are not the, although we ultimately own the business and we are the directors and all that sort of good stuff, but actually we have a very cyclical sort of management structure where we have Grace managing certain elements of the business, which means she has to manage us and make sure that we do those bits of the business. And then there are bits that I, I am Grace's manager for. And there's bits that Colin, our developer, it's his job to manage us for. So the idea is that it's a cross-managerial thing. So there's really no hierarchy of I'm the boss. I think in the whole history of the business, I've had to pull the boss card one time. And it's just Absolutely. had to make a bloody decision, you know. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. So before we jump over to the second half, what who is responsibly perfectly fitted for? If you so, were gonna so, two, so you can talk about yours and I'll talk about mine. How about yeah? That? So it was created for any business that is a small business, or so maybe a one-man band or one man and a couple of staff or a couple of outsourced workers who do email marketing. So you build a list of people and you're gonna email broadcast to them to sell them more stuff. And you want to be able to get better results from your emails. You want to be able to segment your audience, you want to be able to make sure that everything you send out completely hits the spot for that each individual person on your list. So whether you are selling you know, courses and training and coaching, or whether you are selling a service where you actually go out and, and physically install something, or you're selling a physical product, it doesn't really matter. If you sell it via email, then it's definitely going to help you there. Yeah, because what Responsibly is, it allows you to build online surveys, drag and drop with no technical ability. And then this is the reason it was created. It was created because what you can do with these surveys is link them to your email marketing platforms, to your active campaign, your HubSpot, to your whatever you're using, MailChimp, if you really want to, whatever it's going to be. And it allows you to push as much or as little of that data that's collected in the survey straight over to that email marketing or CRM system. And then more importantly, to be able to put people on different lists or tag them differently based on every single little choice they make in that survey. So now based on everything that's, that, people, that person says to you, you can now trigger the right sales and marketing communication to talk right to them and their problem. That was it. That's what it's designed to do. So my half of the business is I work with professional service companies. So that's your lawyers and your solicitors and your financial advisors on this bit, which is when someone completes a bit of work with you, we send them a survey, which has two questions. The first question is, what do you think of the bit of work we just did? And once they complete that, and we are happy that they're satisfied and they're you know, rating you seven or more out of 10, the second question appears, which is, which of the following services or challenges are you currently facing or would be more, most interesting to you? And now it becomes a cross-selling and upselling tool, allowing you to maximize the value of every single customer. Because while we're all hardwired as humans to go and chase new customers, and that's all great, well, it's expensive. You have to, it's expensive in terms of monetary, uh, in, in terms of ads are more expensive and marketing materials are more expensive and sales expensive. Secondly, it's expensive in terms of time. And third, it's, a, it's expensive in terms of emotion as well. So rather than just focusing on bringing new blood into the business, new customers, what if you can maximize the value that you can give to every customer that comes into your business and the maximum value of that customer to your business by upselling and cross-selling the more services that you're going to find valuable. So that's what, that's what we build for, for professional service clients is that ability to cross-sell and maximize the value of each client, building surveys for them that link into their marketing platform. So that's who it's for. Looking for a great business opportunity? 
Bartercard franchises are based on an area model, and it's simple. The more business you generate, the more you earn. Owning a Bartercard franchise gives you the control to be your own boss, along with the reassurance and ongoing support from a world-class global management team. Franchisees grow their business by meeting business owners and demonstrating how Bartercard works and how Bartercard is a key tool in the development of their business by guaranteeing to bring new customers increasing sales, saving cash and improving cash flow, providing the opportunity to fill their spare capacity or downtime and sell their excess stock without special offers or discounts, improving profitability, and providing an interest-free line of credit to preserve cash. In return, Bartercard provides a comprehensive support program, including business planning templates, office setup and support, regional marketing support, and initial and ongoing training. If you're interested in this amazing business opportunity, please contact Nadia Ruhi on 0800-840-6333. That's 0800-840-6333. Okay, guys, so we're going to jump over to the second half of the show, second quarter of the show. That wouldn't have made sense. Right, let's do that. Okay, so so the first question is, on average, how much time a week do you dedicate to self-development? That's body, mind, and spirit. I, oh, it's a good one. How much time do I dedicate to it? I would say it's probably about an hour. It should be more. I more think. than that, if you consider, like, you listen to a lot of podcasts, and so that's kind oh, of that's yeah, education that's true. and all of that's that. That's true. Yeah. So maybe, maybe it's about half an hour a day plus my one hour that for me. That's one and a half, two and a half hours. Yeah. So it's probably not far off that similar sort of thing. Brilliant. Okay. And do you prefer podcasts to audio books, or do you just find that? It's a mixture of both. Personally, I don't like audiobooks. Tried it. Can't, can't. I just, they just send me to sleep. They're amazing at sending me to sleep. Whereas podcasts, I feel like I just can consume them better. What about as you, much as I like gadgets and the newfangled things, I've never got into anything other than reading old books. So I Same. have a Kindle and I don't use it. I have a big iPad with a Kindle app on it. I never use it. I've tried the audiobook thing, just not for me. I like to read a physical paper book that gets doggy. You're just that. showing off. You've got more money than sense. That's what you're trying to be. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like a book that gets doggy and tatty, and then I put it away. And if I ever want to read it, I just there. I like books. So for me, yeah, I think podcasts, but I, I do like podcasts though. So yeah, podcasts are about audiobooks every day. Brilliant. Okay, thanks. Question number two, what book has made the biggest impact to your self-development or personal growth and why? Uh, mine is probably Psycho-Cybernetics, Maxwell Maltz. Uh, I really love that book, particularly the idea of, of mental rehearsal being so important. I've used that a lot as a performer, being able to like work on material mentally so that when you're the first time you perform it on stage, it's not the first time you're really doing it. So for me, it's Maxwell Maltz, uh, Psycho-Cybernetics. There's two that really stand out for me. One of them is a really standard one you'll hear a lot. It's the Four Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss. Whilst I don't adopt the idea that I ever want a week a business, or I ever think I'll have a business where I can work for four hours a week. Some of the ideas in that book, like being able to outsource really personal things, like outsourcing your entire email to somebody else, is something I really aspire towards. I haven't got there yet, but it's something I really want to be able to do. And I think a lot of the things in there made me question the norm of actually being able to build a business that serves you rather than a business that you have to serve. The other one, a bit of an obscure one, there's a book called Win the Game by a magician called Steve Cohen. And it basically takes the principles of magic and applies them to life and business and in a really smart way. And it helps you with confidence. It helps you understand um, persuasion, influence. It's, it's 
the it's the best book I can imagine somebody writing on how to apply the principles that magicians use into business and life. So that's a really good one as well. Brilliant. Thanks, guys. Um, Okay, so obviously, the first answer you're going to come to is response speed. But what is the what app makes the biggest impact to your business or life? For us internal internally, it has to definitely be slack. I think that's a really common one that everybody talks about. But my favorite one is Bonjoro. If you don't know Bonjoro, it allows you to send personalized videos to people really, really quickly. As soon as somebody becomes a new customer of Response Suite, I get a notification on the Bonjoro app on my phone. I hit record. We stand in front of the Response Suite sign and go, hello, we're really excited to have you here, blah, 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 blah. Hit, hit stop, and it goes to them as an email, the whole thing. It's unbelievable. And they're a really lovely team as well. And that must also increase the um, conversion as well because you're, you're having that really personal thing. personalized what about you again it's got to be slack like we made the decision it comes back to what i said before about outsourcing email and emails internally at all so there's no circumstance in our office that got to send number four what's your biggest business mistake which turned into a valuable lesson and what did it teach you business mistake that we turned into a valuable lesson i'm going to just Oh, I asked a good question. A good <laughs> and we have that on, um, on our show. We've got, we've got a podcast, as you know, called the Email Marketing Show. And we have that all the time. We're always like laughing to have a little giggle that, oh, that they're doing that thing where they're buying some time. Uh, I think like we talked about a few already, which is why I'm stumped. You got one, Rob? Not yet. It's, oh. what, what about in your entertainment side? Um, I think one of the things that I've done better over time is being more prescriptive with things so i was i was reading a conversation on a on a on a forum or something uh, not a forum because it's not 1990 but like on, on, on linkedin or facebook or something like that with somebody it was talking about they've got this appearance they're going to be speaking at this event but they've just found out at the event's tomorrow or something and they've just found out that they have to stand behind a lectern because there's microphones on the lectern and i was like why has that even been allowed to happen so making sure that you give people all of the right information having really good systems to give people the information and making sure you don't assume everyone's gonna know what equipment is good and what is bad so right. when we have guests on our podcast for example we are very prescriptive about make sure you have headphones make sure you use a microphone that's not the onboard microphone make sure you're in a quiet place because i kid you not we once interviewed a fabulous guy and it's a and great interview who was sat with his phone in a park on a park bench with a handheld sure microphone like you'd see a stand-up comedian using plugged into his phone doing the interview with us we were like wow this is a this is so like 
cool. It's it's ridiculous. Like he was such the coolest guy, but we were like, it's not really going to work. So making sure we're really prescriptive when we're collaborating is really important to me. I think the other thing I think it's a general rule of life is not leaving a meeting without knowing what that next step of action is. You know, it's, it's, it's a cliche and everyone says it, but for me, I really live by that. Mm. What he said. Yeah, I was going to say, Rob's had plenty of time to think. Well, well delegated that one, Rob. Okay, the next question is, what are your challenges in harmonizing work and life and how do you manage them? Yeah, it's very difficult. One of our problems is that we actually have said recently, we've run into a bit of a problem that we don't really like weekends that much anymore. And this sounds really cheesy. and What a loser. But it's 100% true. When we get to Friday afternoon and we realize, oh, we're not in tomorrow, we actually sort of go, oh. Oh, I'm just, I really want to crack on with this thing that we're currently doing. Like, I just want to get this done. It's really fun and it's good. I think so, time zones are a problem for us. We're doing the podcast and stuff, aren't they? Do you want to talk about the fact that there's people like in America needing? Yeah. So, one us. of the things we've done is we've recently made some decisions to actually be a little bit more strict on when and how we will be, will be available to have people on our podcast or appear on other people's podcasts. Because obviously, we're here in the UK, which means that if you try and balance everywhere from Australia to the Pacific coast of America, now suddenly that all becomes quite difficult. So for the longest time, we actually were available ridiculous hours. We were like, well, we want to be on their podcast and we want to have them on our podcast. And we were here in the office at 11 p.m. They're on Friday the, night. Exactly. They're on the moon and the time difference is whatever, 15 million light years. And therefore, we're <laughs> available last week. Mate, the moon is so much closer than <laughs> people have been there. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's great. I, I was doing an interview at three o'clock this morning because it was the only time I could get him. Right. Yeah. On so the we, show, and it's trying to manage that, isn't it? We have generally decided that actually that's just not a very healthy thing for us to do, especially as we weren't working from home. We all do, all do our podcast interviews here. Um, and so we decided, you know, I live 40 minutes away. You live about 20 minutes away. We just decided this isn't going to work anymore. So we just said, let's put some basic rules in place and realize that actually we are building this business to serve us, not the other way around. And so that, that was a big one for us is let's put some parameters on what we are and are not willing to do. That's brilliant. Thank you. Um, question number six, what advice would you give an entrepreneur that you would wish you had known starting out? Mine is to listen to advice and then dis- and then actually make a decision about whether you want to follow it or not. I think it's very easy to say you should listen to other people's advice. The problem with that is they, other people can only give advice from their perspective based on their life and their morals and their values and all that sort of stuff. And related to that is, my whole thing is based on can you do things as morally as possible? Like we live, we, we have a very moral culture and sometimes and often I would say to the detriment of commercial. Right. So I think we, we really do live it all morally because I want to I be able to sleep in bed at night. You know? For me, it's actually, and it took me far too long to do this, is to sit down and have a really honest conversation with yourself about what your strengths and weaknesses are and more so what your weaknesses are. One of, the, one of the challenges I had is that my entertainment business went really, really well very, very quickly, more by fluke than by good management on my part. And therefore, I got quite complacent quite early in life. So being self-employed and having a business from 15, 16 years old, that, that, that went well because it was, it was quite an easy business to run. It was a children's entertainment company and that's quite an easy, it's quite an easy thing to do. Like that, there's a lot of demand for it. The competition isn't that big. Like it's, and as long as you're a good performer, you're fine. And so what that meant was that when I moved into other businesses that have had different challenges, I didn't adapt very well, very quickly, which means that sort of the, the sort of 
weaker traits that I have in my life, the things like I was quite disorganized and now I've become the flip of that. I was quite lazy and now I've become the flip of that. I assumed I could just sort of glide through every business like I did through that one, give customers a great result and make loads of money without running into issues. And that turned out not to be true. So I think the quicker you sit down and say, what am I really good at? And how do I leverage that? What am I not so good at? And how do I put things in place to prevent that? Whether that's other people, whether that's systems, whether that's rules, how do I put in things to circumvent those problems? Then, then that's going to be really, really important. And it also means that if, you don't, if you're not very good at something, you probably don't enjoy it. And therefore, you should probably find a way of giving that to somebody else to take care of as well. So I think for me, it's, it's definitely find out what you're really good at, find out what you're not so good at, and just decide how you're going to manage that. That's brilliant. Thank you. Okay. Question number seven, what is, or what are your definitions of success? So it's mine's definitely changed. I know I used to think it was having a Ferrari and a 15 bedroom house and private jet. And whilst all those things would be nice and I a hundred percent would like them, it's not what defines success anymore. For me, it's, it's not, I'm not going to say it's doing whatever you want with the people you want, because that's what everybody sort of says. I think for me, it's having the mental and emotional freedom to enjoy what I'm doing at that particular moment in time. So I hate the feeling of being overwhelmed by stuff and bogged down with all of the projects that could possibly ever be on the go and feeling like I'm constantly behind. For me, it's the feeling of I'm currently where I'm supposed to be. There's a project that's not finished yet, and that's okay because it's not meant to be finished yet. And there's a, those projects I've done are all wrapped up, and I don't have to ever think about those again. It's the, the mental and emotional freedom of, and the, the mental bandwidth of not being bogged down by stuff because then that's what helps you be happy in that particular moment. Yeah, I think, I think for me, it's about being able to do something that's bigger than myself and to contribute. I, I get really frustrated when I want to like help somebody with something, like they want to have me on their podcast or they want to catch me for 20 minutes to discuss a thing or just to be my friend or whatever. And I, I can't because of they live on the other side of the world and I haven't got the time or I'm a bit skint this month or, a bit, you know, whatever it's, you know, whatever that reason is, time, money, uh, whatever. I, I don't like the fact that I can't contribute in, in the ways I'd like to be. So the definition of success for me is about the freedom to be able to contribute and be there when it's needed. Brilliant. Thank you. Okay. And the final question is, do you have any daily routines or rituals that make a huge impact to your day? Yeah. So I can talk about mine. First of all, I send an email every single day. Every single day I get up at 5.30 in the morning. You mean to, to your customers and stuff, not to your mum? Oh yeah, to my customers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dear mum, I really miss that you used to make of Thomas the Tank Engine for my seventh work. Southern hugs, Kennedy. We uh, yeah, so uh, every day, yeah, five days a week, Monday to Friday, I email my my contact list with what's going on in my life and what the lesson they can pull out of that is. And that's on two two or three really important things. One, it's mean I'm, it means I'm giving value every single day and I'm communicating with my list. Secondly, they learning, they're learning about me and building a relationship with them. Third, and the, this is the reason I started doing it, is I'm improving my ability to write good copy, which is a skill I think is one of the most important things we can do as entrepreneurs, to be able to write and communicate in a way that is compelling that really allows us to communicate our value and how we can impact other people. It also makes me continuously focused on my customers because I'm constantly thinking about what happened to me yesterday. So yesterday we went to the theater, we saw We Will Rock You with my friend in it. I thought, what's the, what's the business lesson out of that? Or what's the life lesson I've learned out of that that I can share with my list? Not only am I sharing it with my list, 
but I'm also thinking about that lesson for myself. I'm thinking I should be doing that too. So that's the biggest thing that I it's, it's a single thing that I do and it takes between 10 and 15 minutes a morning, but it, it has such an impact on everything that I do. And you kickstart the day with that as well. Yeah, yeah. So that's happening about 6 a.m. every day. Mine is probably, I've cut out all negative influences before before like anything else has happened. So the, I don't read the paper or watch the news or listen to the news on the radio. If the news comes on on the radio whilst I'm traveling or something, it just gets turned off and changed to something else. So I don't watch any of the stuff that's that just going to say, here's a, here's a big, terrible thing that's happening in the world and you can't do anything about it. We're all going to die. <laughs> yeah. so, I, so I don't pay any attention to that. I, I will later on in the day. I'm more interested once I've got the initial stuff I need to do done. And then I don't like respond to things super early. So for example, for the first few hours of the day, I'm not going to reply to my emails, don't check my emails. I, if I need to go into my inbox, it's blinkered just to send that email that I need to send. So in other words, the first few hours of my day up until about lunchtime are completely focused on my agenda, not replying to everybody else's agenda. As long as you are on top of things enough that there's nothing critical sat there. There shouldn't be anything critical sat there where you're going to let down the whole world if you don't reply to it. It should never have got to that stage. So yeah, so for me, it's everybody who could have something urgent for me. So that would be Colin and Grace here in our office, Kennedy, my girlfriend or my parents. They have a really easy, fast way to get in touch with me directly via my phone. And that's where they'll get in touch with me if it's urgent. Everybody else, everybody else can wait and I'll get back to them because I want to start my day and make sure I get all the stuff that needs to be done, done really well. And then I'll deal with everything else in the afternoon. So does that give you that, uh, um, I suppose it gives you that centered, you're centering yourself for the day and that more, right, I've got control of what needs to be, what needs to yeah, be done, who needs can, to be responsible. Can you imagine that you wake up on a morning, let's go really extreme for a second. You wake up one morning and you put the news on uh, or you open the business pages of the newspaper and suddenly you find out the government has brought in a new rule that makes what you do and the way that you operate illegal. Like, for example, we sell digital products. A few years ago, they brought in the digital VAT law in Europe, right? Big, I big feel thing. sick you saying it out loud. Right. And then, <laughs> and then more recently, GDPR. I mean, that's had a massive knock-on effect for every business. But that's all that's, over now, isn't it? That's finished now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so these things come in, right? Can you imagine if you were driving to the office and they say, just to let you know that next week, this thing will be illegal and you'll have to do it completely differently. That now changes your agenda for the whole of the rest of the day. You now have to get it and think, well, how the hell are we going to solve that? What's that going to do? And it means that your to-do list, like I, I think you should never, this sort of tags onto what I said already, I don't think you should ever get to the office or get to your place of work, whatever that is, and go, right, what do we need to do today? I think you should decide that the day before and that should be based on what you need to get done that week and that should be based on what you need to get done that month. So you should come to the office knowing exactly what's going to happen that day and only if something is critical should it change the direction of what that day looks like. What we're talking about here is moving from a place of being reactive into a place of being in control. Right. And so I think if you pay attention to what else is going on, then suddenly your day gets thrown off track really quickly. And the minute your day gets thrown off track, your week's off track. And the minute the week's off track, your three-month plan is off track. So for me, it just allows you to remain more focused on me. I've got three things I need to get done today. I'm going to get those done first, and then I'll deal with the problems that are going to arise. No, that's cool. That's cool. All right, guys. So the floor is now yours. How can we find out more about your podcast? Tell us how we can find out more about Response Suite. Um, please take it away. I'm sure you're used to those sort of words in the, in the line that you're doing, but take it away, guys. Sure. If you want to know more about email marketing, how to do it these days, rather than relying on your audience being on all the social medias, if the social medias change their pants one day, you won't have a business. So most people understand the value of having them on their email list. If you want to learn more about how to do email marketing these days without being 
being a spammer and all that scammy stuff, then we do have a free podcast. It's called The Email Marketing Show, and you'll find it on all your great and favorite podcast players. Yeah, likewise, if you'd like to check out Response Suite, if you want to run customer feedback servers that do cool things in your business, uh, we actually have a, a cool deal for you just for listening to this podcast. Uh, and that is as follows. You can grab 14 days to try it out. So two full weeks to build some surveys, get it working in your business, making more sales for you uh, for $1. Now you can grab that as standard if you go to responsory.com, but don't. Instead, if you grab it through the link I'm going to give you in just a second, then instead what you'll get is all of that stuff and you'll get a four-part training series that we put together called the Survey Marketing Masterclass. It was like 500 quid when we first started selling it, but it basically goes over a bunch of different campaigns. There's eight of them, eight different campaigns of how you can use surveys in your marketing to make more sales regardless of what you do or who you sell to. So we'll give you that for free. And also a free implementation call with either Kennedy or myself. We'll hop on a call. We'll help you work out how best to use it. You get all of that for free and you can keep it even if you did decide not to hang around and use Response Suite beyond the 14-day trial. Uh, so to get all of that stuff, then you want to go to responsesuitedeal.com forward slash success IQ. So that's responsesuitedeal.com forward slash success IQ. Brilliant, guys. Thank you very much and um, extremely grateful um, to that. It's lovely to chat with you as well. And I just want to take this opportunity to wish you the greatest success. Thank you so much. Thank Cheers. you. First of all, let me just say a huge and massive thank you for joining me today. It's lovely to know you're listening. I really appreciate the support. If you would like to know more about me, the services I offer, how to connect with me on social media, then please visit www.successiq.co.uk. Remember, if you're interested in learning some great strategies that I teach or want to be part of the amazingly supportive community where you can find lives, Q&A sessions and other great educational and empowering resources, then take action and search for Success IQ Alliance on Facebook and join this brilliant group. It would be lovely to see you there. You can tune in and listen to us on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud and TuneIn and of course iTunes. And if you have enjoyed the show and have the time, please leave a rating and review because it really does help me grow the show and make the impact that I'm aspiring to do. I wish you the greatest success and remember, don't settle for mediocrity. Go out there and create and live the exceptional. Have a lovely week and remember, just one conversation can create a lifetime of results. See you next week.